The Irish Nation, the Irish take down the Trojans, walk away with a 31-16 win over our rivals, and we had an absolute blast being back in the bend with our old college friends. Recurring theme on the podcast, Brett goes to a game and certainly left it all out on the field. Brett, how's the how's the voice holding up? Voice is not doing well, but my, my heart is warm, and I must admit, uh, this wasn't my best performance for the team. Since graduating, I've sat in Section 19 in the south end zone of, of every game I go to, and in the last five games, the Notre Dame defenses allowed only one touchdown in that end zone. Well, USC scored 16 points in the south end zone in, in this game, so pretty disappointed with that outcome, but thought the section gave it our all. Uh, we'll have to go back and, and check the film, see what else we can do to put the fans in a better position to succeed. But but just glad we got out of there with a W. Regardless, I can assure our listeners, Brett was a constant pep talk for the people around us. It was also great that our entire friend group got tickets in the same row. So a lot of fun to be able to just enjoy that experience and, and relish in the Irish victory. We're currently recording this uh, from our dear friend Jim's bedroom. Uh, so apologies if it's not our best audio quality. We didn't actually... Uh, bring our mics with us but great show in store we'll recap the game preview the unc matchup next week and then we're going to break down notre dame's track record at running back and wide receiver uh following last year's loss to uh to bam and clemson there's a lot of talk about notre dame needing to close that productivity gap at the skills positions we'll uh we'll break down how nd has stacked up against the nation's top programs before we dive in a quick twitter shout out we ran a ticket giveaway for our twitter followers this week two tickets to the usc game Loved all the enthusiasm and support we got during the week running that contest. Congratulations to Jarrett for winning the uh, two tickets to the USC game. Ho- hope you enjoyed the game as much as we did. Now let's dive into the show. This is so fun when you get on the field to go take somebody's heart out of their chest like you did today. 31-16. Notre Dame wins by two scores in a game that never really felt close. Brett and I were all over this one. I predicted 34-18. Brett predicted 31-17. So both right on par with the 31-16 outcome. Uh, Brett was a shanked extra point away, as he reminded me many times, from a perfect prediction. And as Brett reminded me, also nonstop uh, for the last 12 hours, he's now 5-1 and one against the spread and building a, a Hall of Fame, his words, not mine, Hall of Fame betting resume. Uh, but he also claims to have abstained from picking the Toledo game. So not sure if that's reflected in the official podcast transcript, uh, but I'll let it slide for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 5-1 I'm against the spread. I'm, I'm taking that one with me. Uh, post-game win expectancy in the advanced box score was 71%. So Notre Dame was the better team for sure, but not exactly the most dominating of performances, particularly considering it at one point we're up 24-3. to in, in fact, USC outgained Notre Dame 428 yards to Notre Dame's 383 in this one, but Nine Trojan penalties, two more turnovers. It, it really put USC in a bad spot, and and they couldn't uh, overcome that in a very very solid performance by ND. My other big takeaway is that this game was another example how Notre Dame easily could have packed it in and lost this game. Kyle Hamilton goes down early. Thankfully, it sounds like no structural damage, but not a, not a serious injury. Uh, we'll get more updates this week. I think he's due for. We're recording this Sunday. He's due for an MRI today, but. I think Kelly indicated it was like a pinched, like fat. What was it called? A pinched, a pinched fat pad on the knee. We have no clue what that means. We'll have to check with the uh, doctors of the podcast. But but as of right now, we're we're waiting for a better update. Yeah, it's definitely a new one for me. I, that's not not a medical term I'm I'm familiar with. Um, but anyway, so Dora misses a short field goal after the opening drive stalls out. Defense generates a huge play in Bo Bowers' interception. 
return all the way back to the end zone. Looked like he was potentially going to run it all the way back. Slovis was able to catch up to him. Apparently, the rest of the team was giving him a lot of crap after the game about him not being able to outrun the uh, USC QB. Um, but then the offense only gets uh, three points on the board. So it really reminds me of the Wisconsin game when Cone goes down, Virginia Tech when Ty- Tyree and Mayer are out as well, FSU and Toledo when clearly uh, when the team clearly doesn't bring their A game. So yet again, Kelly, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of different like noise, you know, disruptions, uh, things not going perfectly to plan. But Kelly finds a way to get this team a W. Completely agree. Building on that point, you know, USC never got the ball when it was a one possession game. In fact, after two of USC's three scores, Notre Dame came right back down the field and responded with touchdowns. And you know, look, this was a twenty-four to three game at one point, so. There was a you know questionable call that looked like Austin had dual possession and, and came up with a huge catch. The refs actually bafflingly ruled it an interception. Um, st- still not sure I really understand that call, but the Irish didn't blink. Next time they got the ball back on offense, they go right back down the field, score a touchdown to put this game away. So just really impressive grit on both sides of the football. Let's dive into the offense. 49% success rate. So 49% of the offensive plays uh, Notre Dame stayed on schedule with meaningful yardage. That tied for the highest success rate on the season. The exact same success rate ND had against Virginia Tech. Anything in the mid-40s is really good if sustained over an entire season. So really promising to see Tommy Reese's offense move the ball so effectively. And that was driven by a subtle but but big and important change in, in the offensive scheme. Notre Dame went up-tempo in this one. They got favorable matchups in 12 and 13 personnel. That's when there's two and three tight ends on on the field. You're not going to see a lot of teams run up-tempo with two tight end formations, but Kelly and Reese thought they had an opportunity to put Cone in a better position to succeed with tempo, quicker reads, quicker throws, more shotgun looks. Not maybe what you'd expect from Jack Cone. He's a guy that came in from Wisconsin, you know, running a ball control snap under center offense. But Kelly said post-game that they noticed this in the bye week. They did a lot of self-scouting, and they thought they'd come up with something by running this up-tempo look that, um, you know, particularly out of unique formations like 12 and 13 personnel, that could be something this offense uses going forward. Yeah, another point on the uh, the more, the more uh, the greater use of the tempo. Kelly made a comment about the, the self-scouting. He said, the lack of tempo that we had used thus far, um, they discovered that it seemed to be making our offense a, a bit predictable at times. Um, and they think kind of moving forward, they've found a formula that can kind of help us uh, keep keep the defenses off balance a bit. Um, but moving on, not a ton of explosiveness in this game, just 1.13. You really like to see that metric 1.3 or higher. Kyron had the long run of 38 yards. Lorenzo Styles had a big 29-yard reception, but otherwise, longest play of the day was just 17 yards. And that lack of explosiveness, it was really offset by staying on schedule and, and not letting USC's defense create havoc. USC's defense created havoc on just 9% of plays, so... Havoc plays, that's deflected passes, turnover, sacks, tackle for losses, basically negative plays that, that the defense forces. A good defense wants that number to be in the high teens. Notre Dame, for example, is a good defense in, in this metric and has been 18% on the season. So 9% for USC's defense, that's about half of the havoc that, that they would be looking to generate. Cone took just one sack in this game on five defensive pressures. So 20% of the time he was under pressure, he, he went down for a sack. We've talked about that metric a lot. He's taken sacks on about 40% of defensive pressures throughout the season. That's twice as high as the average college quarterback. So in this game, did a really good job of avoiding those uh, sacks, showed a little bit better mobility, 
He was only sacked on 20% of those defensive pressures. Really big storyline in this game. And overall, a great game from Jack Cobb. He grades out at 76 from Pro Football Focus. That's an above average starter grade. He completed 70% of his passes. Only 190 yards, so not a you know big yardage game. But look, Austin dropped a clutch third down on, on the first drive of the game. Then the alleged interception, according to at least what the ref said. But if, if you just for those two plays, Cohen's stat line looks a lot better. And, and you're seeing that in his pro football focus grade. Certainly. And he looks very comfortable uh, with the greater use of tempo, which, which is big as well moving forward. Um, for the offensive line, they were solid. Not great, but but solid. Three three lines per rush, uh, three line yards per rush. That essentially measures how much push the offensive line gets. How many yards downfield before a runner is contacted by the defense. Uh, 3.0 is, is really solid. That's right where Notre Dame was the last few years. That number was more like 2.5 in September. So once again, the offensive line is building on the strong performance against Virginia Tech. Another good showing in this one. Yeah, 138 rushing yards for Kyron Williams as a result. By far the most he's had on the ground this year. Finds the end zone twice. Interestingly, the pro football focus grades were average for the offensive line. That, that surprised us. We thought they had a really solid game. Jared Patterson graded out at 69, pretty solid. Kane Madden, 66. Christoffich, 61. Josh Lugg, 60. Joe Walt, 58. So all pretty average to replaceable grades. Now, I'll add, the offensive line's grading was much higher in pass blocking and lower in run blocking. So what that's really telling us in the advanced stats is they did a great job in pass protection. They you know, really controlled that part of the game. And then the running game, a lot of credit for Kyron Williams, a lot of grit. A lot of tough yards getting there um, through, through through the line of scrimmage that was probably more on the running back than it was on the offensive line. I thought another big storyline was the, the young weapons in this offense really stepping up. Freshman receiver Lorenzo Styles. He was a high-end four-star, number 115 recruit in his class. Leads the Irish in this game with three catches for 57 yards. And he actually led the offense in pro football focus grades with a 92 rating. Really, really impressive grade. Uh, Deion Colsey, he was on the field a ton. Logan Diggs saw more action this week with the absence of Chris Tyree. Um, so yes, Mayer, Austin, Kyron all had very, very solid games. Uh, it seemed like every time we needed to catch, Mayer was coming up big, but, but fun to see those young guys stepping up. You mentioned Kevin Austin. His pro football focus grade was just 58. Um, had a big third down drop I mentioned on the opening drive that, that stalled out that drive. You know, Austin is a phenomenal athlete, but consistency continues to be an issue. Um, you also mentioned the freshman. One more to add to that, Tyler Buckner. He rotated in and out for his package and, once again, very effective. Two for two passing. He also had three rush attempts um, that included a touchdown. So a lot of pieces in this offense are young and starting to get more playing time and think that really bodes well for the future of the program. Yeah, certainly a tough day in the office for the uh, Brian Kelly does not play uh Young, young players, particularly uh, receivers. Uh, tough day for that crowd. Um, so turning to the defense, we said in the preview that, uh, that Slovis, uh, Drake London, and Keontae Ingram uh, led a high-powered offense. They certainly lived up to the billing, and it feels really fortunate that ND only gave up 16 points, 428 yards of offense. They, they had drives stall out with an interception, a missed field goal, really bad time management at the end of the half. Uh, I mean, frankly, it was – embarrassingly bad time management. I, I texted one of my buddies after that. I was like, I think that the sequence of poor time management essentially sums up where the USC program is as a whole right now. Uh, so credit to Coach Free's defense hanging in there, keeping the points down. But USC did march up and down the field and uh, have to really be kicking themselves for leaving a ton of points on the board. 
looking at some of the advanced stats, USC had a success rate of 56%. That's by far the highest rate that Notre Dame's allowed this year. Coming into the game, Notre Dame's defense has allowed a success rate of just 36%. So, again, good offenses want to be in the mid-40s. Good defenses want to be below 40%. This has been a huge strength for ND, keeping teams off schedule, but not the case in this game. USC moved the ball. They moved the ball consistently. They really marched up and down the field. Um, you know, at, at, at ease in terms of staying on schedule and getting positive yardage, playing and play out. But that almost, that almost seemed to be intentional. Drake London had 15 catches for 171 yards, but 44 yards of that came on one big pass play down the seam. And other than that, he was really limited to bubble screens, quick throws. It looked like ND was okay living with that. Uh, very little explosiveness for USC in this game. In fact, their explosiveness rating was an abysmal 0.8. Uh, it looked like Coach Freeman schemed up a great game, especially after Kyle Hamilton went out. Uh, that we weren't just going to let London and Ingram beat us on, on a big play uh, this game. And credit USC, uh, they did dink and dunk down the field, um, but our defense really generally held up. Um, and I, you can't emphasize this enough. Uh, after our all all world safety, Kyle Hamilton went down. Yeah, absolutely, and, and the other part of this game was havoc. Um, Notre Dame's defense had a fourteen percent havoc rate. We've averaged 18% on the season, and, and that's, you know, up there for top 25 in the country. So 14%, a little bit lower than, than what we've been used to, but some really huge plays. Obviously, the Bo Bauer interception in the first quarter gives the Irish a, a huge momentum swing. Isaiah Foskey, just another incredible game. It seems like we say his name every week, adds two more sacks to his total, giving him eight on the year. That's number three in FBS, number one among Power 5 schools for sacks per game. He's also now chasing down Justin Tuck's all-time school record of 13 and a half sacks back in the 2003 season. Foskey led the defense in pro football focus grades with an 81, so another NFL-caliber performance in, in this game for Isaiah Foskey. Looking at pro football focus grades, let's let's go top to bottom, uh, or let's go bottom to top. Uh, in last week's show, we, we hyped up how great Andy has been in coverage, how Clarence Lewis and Cam Hart have really stepped up. Tough night at the office for Clarence Lewis in this game. Obviously a very tough matchup against maybe the nation's best receiver. Plus, we didn't have Kyle Hamilton helping out behind him at safety for most of the game. Targeted 11 times, gives up nine receptions for 148 yards. Grades out at 53. Tariq Bracey and Cam Hart held their own. Grade out at uh, 63 and 68, respectively. And then once again, DJ Brown puts in a great performance. Grades out at 73. Um, and look, outside of Drake London, no USC player had more than three catches. Also worth giving a shout-out to Houston Griffith, who came in. Kyle Hamilton, big shoes to fill, grades out at a 70, which is a starter-level grade, so uh, good for him. Dwight, Bo Bauer, they both graded out at 71 for the linebackers. We, we mentioned London's huge 171-yard game. We should also give a lot of credit to Keontae Ingram. They're, they're running back, huge game, 138 yards rushing. But the, the strong grades from Drew White and Bo Bauer really suggest that, for the most part, the push was coming through our defensive line. Um, and, and that's where USC really generated a lot of that rush attack, but good run support from White and Bauer to prevent big plays, bear down in the red zone, keep points off the board, almost a bend, don't break mantra out of the linebacker group. And of course, Bill Bauer, the huge interception that swung momentum to Notre Dame in the first quarter. Mike, any other closing thoughts? Door was shaky, missed a chip shot. Uh, both teams had red zone issues early on. And he comes up with just three points on their first two trips to the red zone. But after that, they really controlled USC's defense. 28 points in the next four red zone trips. A perfect four for four. 
And then Brian Kelly against rivals. He's now eight and three against USC, including winners of the last four. Uh, beating USC is, is critical to the ND coaching job. Our biggest, uh, arguably our biggest rival. Obviously, a lot of turmoil at USC during the Clay Helton regime, but uh, Kelly once again takes care of business. The other uh, notes I had to talk about, big recruiting weekend, over 100 recruits on campus for this game. I know we did a recruiting update last week's show. There was a ton of recruits on campus. That was highlighted by Walker Howard. He's a five-star QB, one of the top recruits in the country. He's currently committed to LSU, but they just fired their head coach, uh, Coach Ogeron, and they've got turmoil going on in that program. So a potential decommit in the making. We'll see if it plays out that way, but a big storyline to follow. And then Lorenzo Styles' younger brother, Sonny, five-star safety, number eight overall recruit in the class with a crystal ball prediction to Notre Dame. Not saying that's why Lorenzo is getting more playing time. He's definitely earned it and producing in a big way, but a great secondary benefit is the recruiting of his younger brother. So in total, over 100 recruits on campus for this game, just a massive number, a big night to get the W, a big night to have just a great home crowd night game atmosphere. First time that I can say you played fearlessly. You played with juice and energy. We got another one now next week. North Carolina comes to town next week. Program that was top 10 coming into the season. Hall of Fame coach Mac Brown comes out of retirement, gets this program turned around. Recruiting on the rise, a potential Heisman candidate in QB Sam Howell. And needless to say, major disappointment thus far. This team rolls into South Bend with a 4-3 and three record. They've lost at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Florida State. You know, buzz your, your ACC opponents. Woof. Uh, big letdown for a program with high expectations. But don't let that record fool you. This is considered a very efficient team. SP Plus ratings has this measured as the 17th most efficient team. We haven't seen the latest ratings as of today. So, so these numbers are a week old. But they've had a lot of bad turnover luck. They've had a lot of weird games, but this is a good squad coming to Notre Dame, and it's one of those one-half teams we talked about early in the year. They're number six offensive efficiency rating according to SP+, but number 58 defensive efficiency rating. Let's start with the explosive offense. Led by, as we mentioned, Sam Howell, projects to be a late first-round draft pick in next year's NFL draft, boasts a pro football focus grade of 85. So putting up some gaudy stats, averaging 265 yards, passing per game with 18 touchdowns through seven games. Uh, also rushing for 70 yards per game. That's second on the team. Clearly, this is, you can as you can uh, see, this is the Sam Howell show. This offense's biggest weakness last year is the offensive line, especially in pass protection, but they brought all five starters back. Pro Football Focus has this now as the number 37 pass blocking offensive line, so definitely some improvement there. But they've struggled in the run game, just number 81 in the country in run blocking grades, according to Pro Football Focus. So it's been a struggle up front, really a similar narrative to what Notre Dame was facing earlier in the season. And frankly, it's led to a lot of turnovers. They've had 10 turnovers through seven games, including six interceptions by Howell. So a big part of why this team is four and three is just not being solid up front, putting their skills position and especially Howell in in bad situations. That's, That's led to a lot of turnovers and a lot of havoc. Another big storyline for North Carolina is the skills positions. They graduated some NFL talent in running backs, Michael Cardi, Carter, and Javante Williams, and receivers Diami Brown and Daz Newsom. Who's, so who's filled these shoes? Running back Ty Chandler, rushing for almost 600 yards already on the season. He's got a pro football focus rate of 85. And then Josh Downs, a wide receiver, 837 yards and eight touchdowns through seven games. 
pro football focus grade for him of 82. So a couple big time threats. They struggled early in the season, but have really come on as of late. And a big part of this explosive offense goes through uh, those two guys. If you shut them down, uh, then this offense can lose its firepower in a hurry. This sure sounds really similar to what we just faced this week in USC with Keontae Ingram, Drake London, and Keaton Slovis. If, if you replace those names with um, Josh Downs and Ty Chandler and Sam Howell, it's pretty much the same preview. Um, running through some of their other advanced metrics for, for the offense as a team, 47% success rate. So 47% of the time they're getting five yards or more on first down, 70% of the yards to go on second down, 100% of the yards on third down. So that success rate, number 33 in the country. Explosiveness rating is 1.4. That's number 13 in the country. Um, but they do give up havoc plays. They give up havoc plays on 18% of their plays. That's 93rd in the country. A lot of that goes back to the offensive line we talked about. So this offense, they move the ball. They generate big plays. But they're subject to negative plays. They're subject to turnovers, tackles for losses. It's really been the Achilles heel. Um, that's, that's really led to some disappointing losses on the season. Turning to the defense, Brett made a comparison to USC. Similarly with UNC, a weak spot for them is the defense, and it's been tough. We mentioned number 58 in the country in SP Plus defensive efficiency ratings. They're number 76 in success rate allowed, number 68 in explosiveness allowed, and number 87 in havoc generated. So teams are moving the ball on UNC. They're giving up big plays, and they aren't generating enough big plays to overcome that. Yeah, it's been getting worse as of late. This is a defense that's really reeling right now. They've given up 35 or more points in three of their last four games, the exception being a woeful Duke squad. So really the last three kind of real offenses they've played, they've, they've gotten torched for, for some big numbers. This should be a great opportunity for Tom Reese and the offense to continue the momentum we've, we've had in the last couple of weeks and put up another good showing at home. Looking at the individual players, uh, only four only four starters grade out in the 70s, according to Pro Football Focus, led by safety uh, Cameron Kelly, defensive lineman Raymond uh, Voshek, and Tom and Fox, uh, and, line, and linebacker uh, Cedric Cray. Tom and Fox leads the, the team with four sacks, uh, and the Pro Football Focus grades on tackling really tell the story. Or they grade out 59 in tackling. That's outside the top 90 in the country, so near the bottom of the nation. A couple other stats to wrap up before we get to score predictions. Overall talent, the 247 talent composite has this as the 18th most talented team in the country. Mac Brown has put together some really elite recruiting classes. This is the second most talented team that Notre Dame will face this year, just behind USC. So again, another really similar comparison to USC. Now that's a little back end loaded with underclassmen. Their freshman class was number 14 in the country. Their sophomore class, number 13 in the country. So a lot of that talent rating coming from their underclassmen, but still, uh, lot of talent on this UNC roster. And then returning production. Tell me if you've, if you've heard this one before. The team returns 18 starters from last year. Most years that would be top of the country. This year tied for number 44. Uh, again, like we said, this is a recurring theme we bring up every week. UNC brings back a ton of experience. Uh, led by the QB position. High-powered offense. Talented roster across the board. This will, this will be a really tough test for Notre Dame. Last recurring theme, um, our podcast probably becoming a bit of a broken track record, I know, but UNC is also coming off of a bye week, so they've got some extra time for to, to prepare for this one. This will be the fifth straight game for Notre Dame playing an opponent who, who has had a bye week to uh, prep. So that combined with 18 returning starters and a talented roster, um, certainly going to be a tough matchup. All right, let's get to some score predictions. So as we mentioned, SP Plus – has not been released yet for this week. Uh, 
the the spreads haven't haven't been released yet either. Betting lines. I, I saw a couple of people tweet, uh, you know, in the in the media expecting about a two point uh, two point spread. Notre Dame being a two point favorite uh, on a neutral field. So I don't know, maybe like somewhere around like five points or something like that is what I would expect the uh, the line to be. Um, in terms of my prediction, I think. What I've seen from Notre Dame the last couple of weeks uh, has been encouraging. I think the offensive line has looked better. Um, I think certainly against USC, the offense as a whole looked better. I, I like the tempo. Cone seemed more comfortable. Um, also, another just unknown here is like Kelly has indicated that Hamilton should be good to go. I think we'll find out more on Monday. So that is a big question mark. If Hamilton's good to go, that, that affects my score prediction here. So all that being said, uh, I am feeling I'm feeling a Notre Dame win here. I think uh, again, you got a high-powered offense in UNC, so I think like there will be a number of points put on on the board here. I'm gonna go Notre Dame. Let's make this like a high a high-powered uh, shootout. Let's go 44, uh, 30, 35. Notre Dame over UNC. Wow, 44, 35. That that would be a ton of points in uh, Notre Dame Stadium. I actually can't believe we haven't brought this up yet in the preview, but these two teams played last year. It was a tough back and forth first half, 17 to 17 at the half. And then Notre Dame laid the hammer and shut out UNC in the second half, pull away. They win 31-17. So that was also my score prediction for the USC game. That was also very similar to um, the the UNC game last year. Um, and I think there's a lot of similarities between this UNC team and, and, and the USC team we just played. So I'm going to roll the dice double down with that 31-17 prediction and, and run with it again. I've got the Irish winning by the same scores they did last year against the Tar Heels. Sounds like that 31-17 for Brett's going to become like his uh, magic lottery number. It's my magic number, baby. <laughs> Every one of you guys in this room brought a fearlessness to this game that they have never seen from a Notre Dame football team. After the college football playoff last year, lots of debate and media coverage on Notre Dame needing to improve at the skilled positions. That the talent gap of wide receiver, running back, the biggest glaring difference between teams like Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Notre Dame, and frankly, and everyone else in college football. So we wanted to answer this question definitively. Spoiler alert, those teams are above the rest of college football. We looked at two metrics. Predicted points added per play. Uh, so on plays, when a specific player is involved, how many predicted points did that player add on a given play? Bad plays like drops and fumbles work against you. Positive plays like 30-yard gains and touchdowns, obviously positive points for you. And then we looked at pro football focus grades. We talk about these grades a lot. Players graded out in the 80s are NFL caliber talent. In the 70s, you're at the starter level in the college level. 60s, you start getting into more of that replacement level. Uh, starters, guys that are, are fine, but not very differentiated from a typical backup. And then we filtered to just the last five seasons, 2017 through 2021. This was to take the most favorable angle possible for Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame's had a lot of sustained success in those years. Uh, really, probably our most sustained success since the early 1990s. So we're, we're just looking at the last five seasons. So starting with wide receivers. Since 2017, Notre Dame's average wide receiver had a pro football focus grade of 69. So basically, low-end college football starters. And again, there's a variance here. Javon McKinley was graded at 76. Chase Claypool, 83. Miles Boykin, 79. So definitely some above-average starters. A couple guys flirting with NFL-caliber grades. But the average grade for the entire wide receiver position group was just a 69. That's number 23 among Power 5 football schools. There's 
65 power five football school. So it's above average, but certainly it's not elite. It's a good number if you're Rob Gronkowski. If you're Notre Dame trying to crack through the elite of college football, it's not a good number. But uh, the other perennial college football playoff teams, Alabama has an average grade of 79, number one in the country. Basically, the average wide receiver for Bama is an NFL caliber player. The average receiver, Oklahoma, they're just slightly behind with the number two average rank of 77. Ohio State is at number five in the country with an average grade of 74. And Clemson right behind them with 73. Uh, then Georgia, right behind them with uh, with 72. So those top programs, meaningful gap versus Notre Dame. Yeah, we're running out of relatively average wide receiver room, guys that are solid college starters, but NFL caliber talent is the exception, not the rule. And these other programs, you know, especially Bama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, the entire wide receiver room is, is going to be playing in the NFL. Um, not You know, maybe not just the top half or, you know, maybe one player every year, but really – three, four guys on, on the squad. Looking at predicted points added per play, this one is even more stark. Oklahoma number one with 0.9 predicted points added per play by their average wide receiver. Alabama also at 0.9, number two. Ohio State, 0.8, that's number three, followed by Georgia, number four. Notre Dame, we're all the way down at number 42 at just 0.5 points. So Notre Dame's wide receivers have ranked number 42 out of 65 power football schools. Oklahoma and Alabama receivers are 70% more productive on a per play basis when they got the ball in their hands. 70% more points added per play than a Notre Dame receiver. This stat was probably the most shocking thing that we looked at. Notre Dame has produced NFL guys at wide receiver. Claypool and Boykin are in this cohort playing on Sundays and doing pretty darn well. But a huge production gap at wide receiver. Um, and this is accounting for QB play, and there's, there's still a big gap here. So it's not the fact that these schools uh, are, are getting Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray while we've got uh, Wimbush and Book. This accounts for that. And to reiterate, everyone's behind these schools. These are top five programs for a reason. But Notre Dame's not just behind them. We're mediocre relative to all of Power 5 football. It's clear that we are a top 10, top 25, whatever success we've get, you know had in a given season. We're in that top echelon because of our defense, because of our offensive line play. But the program, especially when you're looking at this wide receiver productivity, there is a clear gap. Okay, let's run through the same exercise for running backs. Starting with pro football focus grades, Notre Dame's average running back, grade of 74. Solidly in that category of college-level starters. Actually a higher grade than the wide receivers. But interestingly... Running backs grade out higher than wide receivers as a whole in pro football focus. We think that's because you've got four or five wide receivers getting meaningful reps, so teams have more wide receivers getting graded by pro football focus, but uh, maybe only one or two running backs in a season. So you're getting the lead backs in this ranking, uh, not the number two backs who are getting uh, limited carries. For example, Chris Tyree uh, is excluded from this analysis in 2020. So Notre Dame starting running backs, average grade of 74. That ranks 40th out of 65 Power 5 schools. 40th, bottom half. Oklahoma, number two with an average grade of 84. Alabama and Georgia, right behind them at number three and number four with grades of 83. Clemson, number seven with an average grade of 79. So those schools every year are running out, starting running backs with NFL caliber talent. Just a massive gap for Notre Dame to overcome. Let's do that exercise again for predicted points added. Notre Dame's average running back has uh, predicted points added of uh, 0.19 uh, points added per play. Really productive. That's number 15 in the country. Ohio State, though, number one at 0.29. Clemson, number two at 0.28. Uh, Oklahoma and Alabama, number seven, eight. 
at number seven and number eight at 0.25 points. Georgia, number 10 at uh, 0.2. So Ohio State and Clemson running backs are about 50% more productive than Notre Dame running backs. Um, so, I mean, the stat, it shows better for Notre Dame, definitely above average among college football's Power 5 schools, but still a big gap to the elite schools at the top of the game. We also want to highlight, of course, these are the top programs in the country. Of course, they're going to be rated better. Of course, they're going to be more productive because they're winning national championships. They're getting to the college football playoff every year. But this gap is especially apparent at the skills position in a way it's not at other positions. We looked at pro football focus grades for the offensive line. Notre Dame is number 12 for offensive tackles, number eight for offensive guards, number nine for offensive centers. In fact, for offensive guards, Notre Dame's grades have been better than Alabama and Clemson. For centers, our grades have been better than Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. So at offensive line, Notre Dame's right there with the premier programs in college football, arguably better in terms of balance across the entire offensive line. Same thing on the defense. Andy's average pro football focus grade for defensive players is 72. That's number nine. Basically tied with Clemson. Just a few spots behind uh, Ohio State. Uh, Alabama and Georgia are number one and number two. No surprise there. Uh, but there's not this giant gap. Notre Dame is at their level uh, from, from this perspective. They are in that top tier. So to recap, yes, of course, across the board, Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, cream of the crop in college football. Notre Dame is right there with them at offensive line and defense. In our show a few weeks ago, we covered Kelly's track record at the quarterback position. Clearly, there's a gap there, and the gap is equally as stark a wide receiver and running backs. These skill positions, the advanced stats are resoundingly consistent. Notre Dame is not only outside that top tier, we're not only behind those programs, we're really average. Um, Elite offensive line, elite defense, pedestrian at the skills position, it's an area where Notre Dame is going to need to make its step forward in, in future seasons if we want to climb to the top of the college football world. Closing out this week's show, we kept notes throughout the weekend of our favorite moments in South Bend and we wanted to distill them down to our four favorite moments for a four horsemen of the show, but it was such an incredible weekend. We couldn't do it. We couldn't get down to four moments. So we are excited to unveil the first ever 12 horsemen segment covering our 12 favorite moments from our homecoming weekend back in South Bend. Start things. Uh, so let's start things off. Friday, driving into town, our friend Jim driving us in from Chicago. And right as we get off the interstate, the boys are back in town, comes blaring on the speakers. Uh, it's, as if Jim, Jim, it's as if Jim plans this, but it still gets Brett every time. Uh, the Golden Dome comes into view. Just perfect kickoff to the weekend. Uh, next on the list, Danny's sweater. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. He easily wins best game of day outfit. Hats off to Danny for the uh, awesome Irish knit sweater. Next on the list, that first 32-ounce beer getting poured at Finney's just hits different. I, I'll say number two and number three, those were also pretty good as well. But the first one certainly takes the cake. Uh, next on the list, this one's personal to me, walking down the Ave at St. Mary's with official wife and official belle of the podcast. And I'll argue this with anyone, St. Mary's is just the most beautiful campus in South Bend. Had a great day uh, covering that campus on Friday. Just, just a beautiful fall day in, in October. Uh, then next, hot tubs at your Airbnb. Did not see that one coming, but came in clutch. Credit to Brett. He booked the Airbnb. He found a place that had had the hot tub. 
and then next, one of the official moms of the podcast, Mrs. Mike's mom, she shows up to the tailgate with a bottle of wine and a bottle of Fireball. Overall, five-star performance grades out really well in, in pro football focuses, tailgating grades. Um, hats off to Mike's mom on, on a great, great energy for this weekend's tailgate. Yeah, no question I had more fireball shots during the tailgate than I expected going in. But, you know, when, when my mom's peer pressuring me, it's hard It's hard to say no. Um, uh, for our next one, when the grill got lit at the tailgate, I actually wasn't even aware of this. I think I was walking around campus when this happened. But we had a bit of a snafu and showed up with a grill and no propane. Brett, however, pulled some very smooth talking with the neighboring tailgate. And uh, once, that, once those brats... Hit the grill, just smelled like Notre Dame football. And next, getting to kick off, walking through the concourse tunnel on the way into our seats. You know, sure, we're not running out of the tunnel, but for Notre Dame fans, that moment when you walk into the stadium, it's it's just surreal. It gets me every time. Um, really emotional moment. Lo- love those first steps into the stadium. Uh, then the first push-ups after the, after the first touchdown. We had an absolute adorable 10-year-old girl in our section who was talking about how hard she's uh, studying to go to Notre Dame someday. Uh, so we threw up in the air for push-ups for 10 points. And then we ended uh, near, later in the game by throwing uh, bread up in the air for 31 points. Probably should have done that in reverse. I think I'm a little sore. Uh, granted, yeah, I haven't made it to the gym in a couple weeks. Maybe that maybe that counts as, uh, as an exercise there. But Brett's definitely not as light as he uh, once was in college. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that was fun. That, that was usually the first time I've done push-ups since my undergrad days. It, it was great getting up there and, and appreciate all my buddies for, for throwing me up there and, and the support despite, uh, like Mike said, maybe not quite being in the uh, same physical fitness I was in a, a decade ago. Um, so apparently on last week's show, Mike threw some shade at Corby's in, in the Four Horsemen segment. I in no way condone that point of view. And lo and behold, Post-game celebration winds up at Corby's. Nothing like some late-night pizza and beer to cap off a great weekend. So Corby's second episode in a row, they make their way into the horseman section, uh, this time being a part of the 12 horsemen. The pizza definitely hit the spot, uh, and it was nice to have a bar so close to where we were staying that we could easily go get some beer. I will say we're, we were posted up outside of the patio. I did have like some, some tweaked-out guy come up to me and basically beg me to give him beer. So that was uh, – I don't think that that – you know, we're going to put that in the positive column for uh, for Corby's. And just to be clear, I was not the tweaked out guy, but yeah, I was okay. also asking for beer from Mike. Yeah, I had a time. I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, this is our beer for our friends. So, <laughs> sorry, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, next one. Going back to the tailgate. Official dad of the tailgate, Brandon, one of our one of our buddies. He's got two kids. His uh, three month old baby is strapped into Brandon with a carrier. Doesn't hold him back from playing flip cup. Incredible performance. Incredible dad energy. Way to go, Brandon. Setting a great example for your young children. Absolutely. And and last, definitely not least, closing out the 12 Horsemen segment, the alma mater. Your voice is gone. You're singing off tune. But win or lose, you're locked in arm with your friends, family, strangers who united with you over football for four hours. Always a highlight. Always a great reminder of the Notre Dame family. Love thee. Praise thee, Notre Dame. All right. That's a wrap for the show. Guy Irish, Irish. Irish.